Welcome to We Hear Her. I am Erin Trenbeth Murray. And I am Jennifer Bean. We're here today with another amazing woman who's sharing her story and insights to lessons learned. Hi, I'm Erin Trenbeth Murray with this episode of We Hear Her podcast for women who succeed. And I am happy today to get to speak to Kelly Booth, who I've just gotten to know this year. But one of the reasons that I'm so drawn to Kelly is because she shares a deep passion and love of mine, which is Eden, Utah. <laughs> so Kelly was born and raised there and lives there now. And I get to go up there on the weekends, been doing that for about 20 years, and I just adore that place. However, I shouldn't put this on that podcast because I don't want anyone to know where it is. Move to, <laughs> move to Colorado, everyone. <laughs> so Kelly, um, this area that she's from, it's a mountain area. She's very active, skier, runner. Her family is very active. She has four children, four boys, and a daughter-in-law, and three of them are in Europe that I'm going to get to in just a minute. But I'd love to tell you a little bit about Kelly's background, um, which is rich with education. She was a teacher and principal in Weber School District and now is the executive director of New Ames. And I'm going to go to script here so that I can do this. Um, it's justice for sure. So Kelly earned her BS degree in English from Weber State and her master's degree from Utah State University in school leadership and administration. So she is in her seventh year serving as executive director for New Ames, which is the North, Northern Utah Academy for Math, Engineering, and Science. New Ames has come, become known as a top high school in Utah for students with their outcomes and student learning growth. Under Kelly's leadership, New Ames has doubled in size and now has two campuses. Um, they've also won, the school has won so many numerous awards and honors and much of it, of course, is due to Kelly's leadership and the team that she's built around her. She is passionate about education and empowering and supporting students' growth and development. So back to her personal life, her and her husband, Chad, reside in Eden. And um, they have, I said, they have the four children, the four boys and their daughter-in-law. But here's the fun part. Not that that's not fun, but that is that this is the fun part. Three of Kelly's sons and the daughter-in-law live in Europe, pursuing their dreams in England. Uh, in two of them in professional, one in England in professional soccer, one in Germany in professional soccer, and one in Belgium, who is or has. You'll have to help me mm -hmm. with um, working on BS in engineering, energy engineering, and a master's degree in strategic innovation and entrepreneurialism. So he must already have that done. And then her youngest son still lives with her and Chad, who keeps her busy. So with that, I am pleased to have Kelly join us. So Kelly, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. This is fun to be here. I'm excited to talk about it. Well, I am too, because so there's, I have so many questions running through my head. Let's start, let's start with living in a rural community in Utah. Um, and when I was a kid, I lived in a rural area, pastures and frogs and salamanders mm -hmm. and riding horses from your neighbor's pasture to your neighbor's pasture mm -hmm. and the water in the creek and stick races mm -hmm. and and all of that. Um, but the beauty, you got to be right in that beautiful valley of the lake and the mountains. And I'd love to mm -hmm. hear more about your experiences growing up there. 
Well, growing up in Eden was idyllic because at the time it was a Tom Sawyer Huck Finn type of upbringing. And we did. We rode horses and there were early morning chores to feed mm -hmm. animals. And it wasn't unusual to see someone riding a horse down the street. Mm -hmm. A very small school. It was interesting because the same kids I went to kindergarten with, you know, I went all the way through junior high with. And even my ninth grade year, I think we had 90 students in our ninth grade year. Mm -hmm. So those small bonds that form in small communities where everyone kind of has an eye on you and is mm. watching you, or if you're driving too fast, your mom gets a phone call, or if you were out too late, your mom gets a phone call, and kind of that small town values of everyone pitches in and helps everyone else. I mean, I can still go through and name every house that was there growing up and who lived there and mm -hmm. what kids lived there and things like that. So. But then the beauty of it is uh, in high school, we went to Weber High, which at the time was, you know, 3,300 students and was a 5A school. So it was the best of worlds because small town upbringing, but also had access to the big city when you needed those experiences and, and really treasure Eden yeah. and, and being able to grow up there. It's changed a lot. Mm -hmm. And part of, part of that is progress and a, living in a great state. Right, right. The healthy yeah. economy, mm -hmm. the right. Yeah. So tell me about how do you feel those um, early life lessons living in Eden? What has shaped your adult life from things that you learned growing up in a very rural community in Utah? Yeah. Well, I think a work ethic is yeah. where, where, and you probably know this growing up in a rural community, but everyone had to pitch in. Like, mm -hmm. you know, everyone had to show up for each other and hard winners. There were big, hard, long winters in the 80s, and still there were animals that need to be fed, and you still had to get up. I remember one day my mom was at work, and we were to go catch the bus, and there was a big moose out in our driveway. You know, and how, how do you problem solve catching the, the bus, and the, moose, and the moose stayed in our yard for days, but you just... You had to problem solve because there was no cell phone back there mm -hmm. to call to have someone solve your problem. You had to solve. I have a moose you in my a, yard. Yeah. Someone come yeah. take care of that. You had to solve it yourself, and and so I think those those values of showing up for each other, learning to love work. I think that's really something that I value as an adult, but probably complained about as a child. But it served me well because not every day is. June in Eden. There's right. also January in Eden. Right, right. And and those days feel very different. Mm -hmm. But what makes you appreciate June in Eden is January. And so finding the balance in all things. But also, I never felt limited by growing up in a small town because I was kind of raised that go go be what you want to be and go do what you want to do and don't let barriers stop stop you mm -hmm. break through them and so even though it was a small town there there was a lot of um support and love and um encouragement yeah it wasn't restricting no. it was i loved how you just described it it was supportive it was like launching you yeah but you knew you could always come home mm -hmm. which you did mm -hmm. which you're there yes yeah do you think um the the work ethic the grit mm -hmm. that it takes um when you finished high school and mm -hmm. you decided to go on to college, and then your master's degree. Mm -hmm. um, what drew you to education specifically as a field? Oh, it was it was what my mother had gone into, and again, it was during a time where 
you know, some of those career fields that are open to young girls now, they weren't talked about back mm -hmm. then. You know, no one ever spoke to me about becoming an engineer. It was never a conversation with a high school counselor. It was never right. a topic that came up in school. It was probably something that I would have loved and I'm passionate about it now, leading a math science engineering organization. But back then it was, um, I just loved education. I loved learning new things. I still love it. I'm one of those people that could be a professional student. Mm -hmm. And I would love every day because I did have multiple interests. And the only way to really satisfy those passions was to go into education and be around it all the time. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was a childhood play at our house was me and my sister playing school. You know, and, and fighting over who got to draw on the chalkboard. Right, right. We loved it. We loved to play. We would fight who got to be the teacher and who got to be the student. And it's funny because we both ended up in education. But my mother became a principal during a time that there weren't a lot of female principals. And so she really broke through those gender barriers early. And I saw that and it felt comfortable and it was familiar to me. Right. And so that helped, too, to say, oh, you know what, I, I like what that looks like, and mm -hmm. that's a sweater I can put on. Yeah, yeah. my, my um, mom was an assistant superintendent in the mm -hmm. 80s in Davis, and yeah. the females, I mean, even in the leadership roles, yeah. to be a principal, it was not common mm -hmm. for a female. No. I wonder, you know, you think about, and I wasn't as rural as you for sure, um, but there weren't like... I wasn't playing female scientist. Mm -hmm. There was no females yes. around me that I saw as a scientist or an engineer or, yeah. you know, so I gleaned to what I saw around mm -hmm. me for sure. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit more about New Ames and that attraction, especially for young women in those mm -hmm. um, typically untraditional fields. Yeah, it, it's exciting to be at New Ames because it's got a very narrow focus. It was created out of the governor's office. Office of Workforce Development actually created to provide a pipeline of quality students who were prepared to enter the fields of math, science, and engineering. And so with that narrow focus, um, we've also tried to go under, go after students who wouldn't normally have access to higher ed. So underrepresented populations of students where we bring them onto a college campus, we support them um, we go after female students, we go after minority students to try to expose them to this world like, hey, there, you can become what you want to mm -hmm. become, but it's exciting to be a part of because you have female students who are talking now, I want to grow up and be a, a software developer. Yeah. I want to go into computer science. I want to work for NASA. I want to be able to um, design roads and bridges. And so the conversation that is happening now is very different than the conversations that we grew yeah. up with, <laughs> Yeah. right? Yeah. You know, you're gonna be a teacher, or you're gonna be a nurse, right. which one? Right. And so, but to see the, the opportunity that's available to young um, females and to have that kind of door blow open for them it's really exciting to be a part of it, but it's exciting also to play a, a role of supporting them, encouraging them, and saying, hey, when people say you can't have it all, you're in the wrong room, right? You need to be in the room where people can say, you know what, you can, you can have it all, mm -hmm. and go after it. And so 
New Ames kind of focuses on that piece of let's eliminate the barriers, let's provide the opportunity, and let's connect you with where you see your future. And so it's kind of, we have a symbiotic relationship with higher ed and Weber State's been a great partner with allowing us to um, provide opportunities and connect the dots from uh, high school to higher ed. We have a great partnership with all the tech colleges and it's fun to play that role of um, opening doors and avenues that young students probably wouldn't have had had they not been exposed to it. I love yeah, that it's so awesome. much. I mean, yeah. that is why, like with Women Who Succeed or the overall success in education program, what drew me to it was I'm really finding this affinity for this age group. Um, my background's early childhood education, mm -hmm. but I've really been interested in high school and college age kids mm -hmm. last few years. And the trajectory that they can go on yeah. when one door is opened, mm -hmm. that they never thought, that they were introduced to someone, that they got a mentor, that they mm -hmm. got this scholarship, that they had got an opportunity to intern somewhere that maybe they, they wouldn't have had, it, but um, when that, it's like that starfish story, right? Yes. When you throw the starfish yeah. and you say, I make a difference to that one. It's mm -hmm. really, I can see it's very rewarding for you. And the idea of someone believes in you. Right. Someone believes in young Aaron, mm -hmm. you're gonna do something with your life and it's gonna be incredible. And that, that connection of education, the purpose of education is to help us contribute meaningfully in life after education, right? Mm -hmm. But the system doesn't make that connection often. It's like, this is your high school box mm -hmm. and here's life after high school. <laughs> and what New Ames is trying to do is say, wait a second, this is a freeway. What exit do you want to get off on? Mm -hmm. And when you get off on the exit, what are you going to contribute to make sure this road continues much more fabulous and wonderful than the one you were on and how do you give back to those who are going to come after you and we really try to weave gratitude and being good citizens because it's one thing to be intellectual it's right. another thing to be intellectual with your heart mm -hmm. and those those look very different because someone who's intellectual but doesn't have a good heart that's just dangerous for everyone right, right? we've seen <laughs> that good. yeah we know what that looks like so so it's cool we've we've started a class that we require all sophomores to take to kind of build those functional skills of how to ask for help how to um figure out what you are passionate about how to critically use critical thinking skills and be able to look at social media and determine does this have value mm -hmm. how does this apply to me does this really matter am i wasting my time here and is this leading me to the destination i want to be on because, you know, our, our youth right now are so bombarded with every message that saturation point is a daily concern. Mm -hmm. And how do we teach them to think critically about what's important and what matters and what's really just a distraction from where you need to, where end, you up need to end up or want to end up, mm -hmm. right? You said just a few minutes ago, you said something that really struck me. You said something about um, someone that would believe in young Aaron. Mm -hmm. And um, that kind of kind of struck a chord with me. Mm -hmm. I kind of sat for a second. And I'm curious, who believed in young Kelly? Oh, geez. You know, I, I had a whole community. Yeah. I, had, I had a whole community of um, people who, who I believed believed in me. And then as you grow into an adult, and it's the great thing about your 40s, right? 
is you kind of don't care what other people think about you anymore. You care what you think about yourself. And so that, that passing the baton on we believe in you um, to Kelly now believes in Kelly, that, that's a really self-actualization moment. But I, I had parents, I had siblings, um, I had neighbors. And sometimes that belief looked like correction. Oh, good. And point. sometimes that belief looked yes. like discipline. Yes. And, and <laughs> we, we deal with that sense of entitlement a lot in education right now because, you know, everyone wants the, we call them snowplow parents, but everyone wants the path cleared and made easy for their child. But for me, those moments that really led to growth and me believing in myself was when I was stuck up with a challenge and a snowbank. Yeah. And I had to figure out how am I going to get through this? And a lot of those were humbling moments. Right. And there were moments where I was like, wow, Kelly just made a big mistake. Mm -hmm. Thank goodness there wasn't social media, it was recorded. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, but, but those that dealing with conflict and working through it and dealing with um, mistakes and learning how to recover from them, that, that's how you grow into the person you are, but also into believing that, hey, you know what, when I'm up to bat, I, I'm gonna believe in myself to hit the ball. And, and if the game comes down to it, I want myself to be up to bat than someone else because I believe I can hit the ball, mm -hmm. which it takes a long time to get to that place. And, you know, for women, that has, has we still have a long way to go but but we're getting there, and that's it's exciting to to get there. I love the snowplow analogy so much, and that is my one regret as a mother. I wanted so much um, for my children to be successful. I mm -hmm. didn't let them fail enough early on. Um, I think I saved them too much. I think I fretted about which teacher they were getting. Mm -hmm. All of that. Mm -hmm. I can see it now in hindsight, mm -hmm. and I love to hear you from both a parent and a mother and a educator's perspective on that. I mean, I just think that's, yeah. that's re that was really wise. Those were really wise words. Well, and it's important to, to teach kids, you know, this, this, is, this is what success looks like. It's more important to say, when you fail, this is how you're gonna pick yourself up. Yes. And this is how you're gonna move on. And this is how you're gonna step forward each day. Because we get a lot right now of kids dealing with anxiety. Mm -hmm. So much so to me, and I sound like a cynic, and I don't mean it that way, but anxiety's the normal. Mm -hmm. You know, me and you growing up, we didn't really talk about anxiety. No, if we had it, it was just yeah, it was there. Know, just get it up was and there. get going. <laughs> it was there, and so. But I think part of why that has been, and and I use the analogy: my son got a flat tire on Trapper's Loop, mm -hmm. and immediately he made a phone call to me and my husband. I got a flat tire. Well. What did we do? We drove up to, to Trapper's Loop, you know, we got him in the car, my husband changed the tire. Well, when I got a flat tire, it didn't work that way. I had to go knock on a door, <laughs> ask to use the phone. Mm -hmm. um, and if no one, if I couldn't find anyone, I had to try to change, change the tire mm -hmm. or I had to find a pay phone. And so those small moments of problem solving because of access to communications like iPhones mm -hmm. and instant messages mm -hmm. and DM, a lot of those problems get solved before they even have an opportunity to solve them. And I think we're doing a disservice to not letting them go through because when you described 
I've made it too easy for my kids. So have I. Yeah. And yet I think we all start to rethink because the rules changed. Yeah, the rules you know, did change. We didn't we didn't have access to cell phones. We didn't have access to social media. We didn't know what we wanted for Christmas unless the newspaper came. Right. And the or Sears a, catalog. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or a commercial. You know, do I really want that? I don't know, but it's all that's available. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but where now kids are just inundated yeah. with it that it, there's almost too much for them to, because the human the human brain can only absorb so much and maybe sometimes we're filling it with things that um, is taking up space rather than teaching those critical thinking skills. I mean, I think it's the number one thing I would, I would tell parents and students, you know, learn how to think critically, learn, know what your values are. If, if what you're spending your time on really shows where your values are. So if you're spending six hours a day on social media, mm -hmm. you value it but is it leading you to your final, where you want to end up? Yeah. That's so funny you would say that. That's what I was going to ask you in closing was, mm -hmm. you know, what would you share with them? And I'm thinking, oh, I wonder if she's a life coach. I need her to talk to my sons. Uh. <laughs> I no. love your, I mean, I, I can hear both the educational philosophy. I can hear the leadership the, the, yeah, of running a, an organization. I can hear um, the parent piece of mm -hmm. it. I just am so thrilled to get to know you better because you're just really impressive to me. I'm oh, really well, happy you're that nice. to talk well, with no, you. Well, no, and I, you know, it's, it's part, part of it is if you, I, I heard this at a, it was a women in business conference and, and one of the, the woman who won an award, she said, if you want to be great, surround yourself with great people. And that's kind of the power of New Ames. What makes New Ames? It's not me. It's, it's, there's great people. There's great people that work there. There's great people that attend there. There's great parents that support it. And so it really is that idea of, you know, a great village makes, Back produces that community great. And it village. is. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, Kelly, anyway, thank you well, so much for, having me. for being here today. I really yes. appreciated your thoughts. Yeah. Go Aaron. <laughs> yeah. Go Aaron. Well, that's it for We Hear Her Today. Thank you so much to Kelly Booth, Executive Director of New Ames. And real quick, Kelly, if, if there are students or parents that are interested in mm -hmm. learning more about New mm -hmm. Ames, where should they go? Yes, so we have our website, newames.org, and you can click the button and, and learn more about. We've got lots of links on our page. But, yeah, it's a great spot, a great um, education if you're interested in math, science, and education. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you didn't know I was going to put you on for a commercial, but that's, that is it for us today. And again, thank you. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for taking time to hear her. Join our efforts and learn more at womenwhosucceed.org. A big thank you to our sponsor, the Clark and Christine Ivory Foundation.